to another episode of the Vocal Vault Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Johnson, and I created this podcast as a way to create a safe space to hold open, honest, and vulnerable conversations. I feel like it has been a good minute since I have hopped on these mics, and it feels really good to be back. I know I was only gone for a week, but it's just with this time of year, with the holidays and everything wrapping up, I'm someone who gets overwhelmed very easily. And just post holidays, I was like, you know what? I need just like a week. Like I just need a week to not have to focus on um, things that I can't give my full effort and energy into right now. So I I did that. I knew that if I were to record an episode last week um, or even, yeah, try to get an interview going, it just wouldn't have been um, 100%. I definitely would not have been giving it my all. So whenever that happens, I just am going to take a break. And this podcast is not something that I want to like burn out on or anything like that, because I really do love this. And I love this community that um, has been created with it. So I am going to take those breaks when needed. And I am just grateful for you guys for supporting. I was shocked that people actually noticed that an episode didn't come out. So that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, so thank you guys just for being there and supporting me along the way. I am blown away by all of the positivity and all the amazing feedback that you guys have had since um, my episode two weeks ago with Vanessa. We talked about addiction and her path to recovery, and it was such a raw, vulnerable conversation Um, And honestly, it has been one of my episodes that has just done the absolute best because I think you can really see like her vulnerabilities. You can hear it in her voice, just the way that she just opens up so much. And those are the conversations that we really look for and that I'm really looking to have on this podcast. So I'm so glad that that was well received and um, that people were able to resonate with that in some way. So that was just amazing. And I just got to shout out Vanessa again for taking the time to do that because that was just so much fun to meet her. If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly encourage you to take a listen. Um, It's episode 11, just the most recent one we've released besides this one. So hop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can find that episode there. This week, I got to sit down and interview Frankie Villalobos. Frankie is someone who is very passionate and open about his health and fitness journey, and he actually recently tore his ACL just a few months ago um, and went underwent his surgery, currently still has about nine months of recovery left in front of him. And he makes a really good point in this episode when we talk about his recovery and how that can really affect you mentally, especially someone who is an athlete, someone who this is their lifestyle and how much that can um, deter them from doing the things that they're passionate and love to do every day. Like for Frankie, um, for example, I think him not being able to get up and go to the gym and shed that light on the people around him right now is probably very difficult. And um, he's always been someone who shares kind of his journey with fitness through his social media. Um, So I do highly recommend um, giving him a follow. You can find him at underscore Frankie Andrew. Um, And yeah, I think he shares a little bit about his story there as well. But we talk a lot about the hardships that Frankie has endured and just kind of where this passion for fitness and health came from, 
who some of his influences are, why he made the move from Wisconsin to Minnesota, and just kind of how he's landed in the career that he's in now. But I would say the biggest part of this conversation has to do with his ACL tear and the recovery of that and how how hard that's been just on him mentally and um, I just thought it was important to shed light on that because whether you're an athlete or not going through a physical feat like that is not something that is easy at all physically or mentally so we wanted to just chat and have a conversation and give him the platform and space to just open up and share how it's been for him and um, he still is so positive. That's one thing I really love about Frankie is he's always just been so such a positive light, like following him on Instagram and all these different things. He's such a motivator, just one of those people that you can go to and you know as soon as you talk to him, he's instantly, instantly going to make you feel better. So um, it was so great to have Frankie on. And if you're here from Frankie's community and this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here but let's just get into the episode andy let's open the vault okay awesome well the reason i asked you on is because i have obviously followed you and your journey with your acl surgery and all of that and you know i feel like you've always kind of been like a fitness um Mongol and always just kind of like been deep into the fitness realm. And I, when I saw that you had your surgery, I was like, there has to be some, like, there has to be a conversation behind this because the amount of like athletes that I've spoken to who have had like ACL surgeries or just like any type of surgery like that, where it like kind of puts a damper into something that they're passionate about that has to affect you, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, all these different things. So I just really wanted to chat about that. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time to just pop on. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it's definitely been been challenging, uh, to say the least. And it's not something that I feel like I could have even prepared for. So all the stuff that was actually like difficult for me are things that I didn't even think about like before I even got surgery. So it's been been a, a whirlwind, but it's it's been okay. I mean, I look at it as the perspective of it could have been worse. You know, it wasn't like a high risk surgery. You know, I'm not sick. You know, there's a lot of other people dealing with other things. And, you know, unfortunately mine definitely does put a damper on what I love to do, which is go to the gym. That's just been my, my escape. Um, you know, that I let all my stress out and just feel good, get all my positive energy from, um, and I was able to implement a lot of things early in my life that I learned from the gym into my personal life, as far as like accountability and setting goals and things like that. So for that to be kind of ripped away from me after staying consistent for, for six years going on six, seven years now is, has definitely been very um, frustrating. And uh, I mean, that's a good word for it. Just, just absolutely. frustrating. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I feel like no one can really prepare you for like what the recovery process actually looks like. But before we get into that, um, will you just kind of tell me a little bit about your passion for health and fitness and how that started? Where did that come from? So funny story, uh, when I used to work, um, cause I've been in retail all my life. Okay. So it's, it's definitely Same. my bread and butter. <laughs> I'm not going away from it now that I know that's, I just love being around people and especially working for Nike. Now it's such a good company to work for and something that I'm passionate about. 
Uh, but I just remember going down to tie my shoe one day, right? And I was like out of breath for some reason, just tying my shoe. And it's not like I was super overweight. You know, I definitely wasn't like, like lean or in at a healthy state in my life, but it was, it was enough for me to just like sit up and be like, I need to do something because that was ridiculous. And um, one of my good friends, Brandon was my store manager and we'd literally eat Panda Express almost like every single day. Right. So I literally left him in the dust said, you know, I can't do that anymore. I need to start eating healthy. I signed up at a local gym that was like right near my, my work. And uh, about six months later, I was already down like 20 pounds and I just fell in love with those results. And at that point in my career as well, I would like to admit that I was definitely not a manager that held himself accountable um, as much as I should have. So especially like when our bosses would come into the store, you know, it was easy for us to, to blame other like department managers if something wasn't perfect, right? But at the end of the day, we all know it starts from the top and that it should have been something that I've been more following up with, things like that. But just the fact that I went somewhere where I just like, felt like it completely changed my attitude and outlook and just being so addicted to how it made me feel. Um, and it just obviously boosted my confidence first and foremost, which I feel like just really helped propel uh, me in a general good direction with my life. Um, and just being smart enough to kind of take those two things and implement them in my life. Because a lot of people, you know, work out and it's completely separate from their lives and they don't really think that it comes hand in hand. But for me, it did just because I can't really separate two things that I'm just so passionate about. Um, you know, you're going to be authentic and be yourself, you know, it's part of who I am. So anybody who knows me outside of the gym, you know, knows that, you know, a lot of things that I do at the gym, I implement in my own lifestyle as well. Um, so that's kind of where it started. I mean, obviously I played sports in high school and things like that. And I was in powerlifting and, and worked out, but as soon as I graduated, I kind of just fell off that wagon and I played basketball once in a while. And you know, hung out with my friends and got exercise that way, but I really wasn't like a gym goer until that moment of tying my shoe and realizing, hey, what the heck is going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big moment where you you kind of stand up and you're like, that should not have been that difficult, but here we are. So, hey, good for you though for like kind of taking that, you know, taking the bull by the horns and just saying, I'm gonna do it. I don't care. I'm gonna. Um, kind of just implement this new lifestyle for myself. And I, I like how you mentioned that it's, it, it, they're not necessarily separate, like working out and going to the gym is not necessarily a separate entity than like, you know, your job, your career, whatever you do in your daily life, how you interact with people. Cause typically a lot, um, that goes in behind actually like working out and everything is a personality trait. It's motivation. It's, having that, um, you know, that drive every, every day to go. And even when you're so tired and you don't, you just want to go home and hang out, like to actually have that motivation to get up and go to the gym. Like it is a personality trait. And, um, I think it's something that everyone can have. It's just something that everyone has to work at. And, um, in all transparency, it is something that I'm currently working on, but <laughs> so kudos to you for just for six years straight, being able to kind of, you know, keep going with that at a regular basis that you were. Um, but my next question for you is who have your biggest influencers and motiv motivators been? And then did that have any impact on like your love for fitness? Um, 
so I'll, I'll first shout out my, cause I was like, obviously you sent me these questions prior to this and I'm like, man, like I could come up with a lot of people throughout my life that have <laughs> impacted any, like a lot of decisions that I've made throughout my life. Without that would be an, a ridiculous list. Um, but I'm the I'm ones that stick out yeah, the most, right? maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely. Um, the first person that I just couldn't get out of my head this the whole time thinking about was my mom. Um, definitely a mama's boy. Um, you know, she literally raised three boys, um, me being the youngest. And I don't know how she did that with three, three sons. And then our dad, you know, having all that, you know, testosterone in one house, house is, is how she got through that. But the, the amount of sacrifice that that woman has made, um, I told her this many times, but there's nothing that I could do in my entire lifetime that we could repair for what she's done for us. Uh, growing up, um, I know we kind of chatted about um, her mom just passing away this last week. Um, and that was one of the sacrifices that she made for us as kids. I mean, she chose um, to be with my dad and love my dad. And unfortunately, um, that wasn't something that her um, her parents really accepted. Um, so she kind of made that choice. And as much as she tried to mend that relationship her whole life, unfortunately, it just didn't get to where she wanted to be. So like, that's something that obviously I didn't think about really when I was little, cause I didn't understand it. Uh, but as I was growing to be an adult, just knowing a lot of things that she's done for us, you know, not making a lot of money um, and still spoiling the heck out of us, you know, and her and my dad um, pursuing their dreams of owning their own business. So most of my childhood was going to work with my dad. Um, we owned two restaurants. So it was, that was my life starting at eight years old, you know, waking me up you know, before, after school, when I started, and that was a good chunk of my childhood. Um, but really just the amount of hard work and for her to like work full-time and then still do laundry, cook, do everything that she did with the full household. And then it's just crazy to think about, but that's, that's the motherly love that people talk about. It just, it comes natural. It's just, you know, something that, you know, I can only try to implement myself, you know, for, for my future. Um, but definitely her hard work and sacrifice definitely influenced me to do something with my own life and just pursue my dreams. And um, knowing that she is like, has my back, no matter what choice that I make, whether it's a mistake, you know, something that I learned from, um, she lets me do it. And, but she's always there to lift me up. Um, but definitely that's my, my first and foremost person that I'll always um, say is my biggest influencer. Um, but otherwise just kind of being general, just like friends, you know, throughout, throughout the, my lifetime, um, the roots, I like to call them. So the people that just are always there, you know, they've always, you know, been through the tough times, the good times. Um, you know, my best friend, Ryan, you know, met, we met sophomore in high school, you know, he's part of the reason why I moved to Minnesota, you know, you know, so just having that, um, that close friend, you know, for that, you know, a good chunk of my life, you know, really that I remember, um, couldn't ask for a better friend, but obviously all, all the other members of my family, um, that have been there for me, my brothers, um, and then obviously, um, my dad, where we kind of had a rocky relationship growing up. Um, he was definitely old fashioned, you know, when I started to do sports, he didn't really want me to do that. He was all about work, work, work. So me stepping away from the family business was a huge no, no, um, and I, I, something that was hard for me growing up, 
um, for him not to go to my sports games and things like that, because, you know, what I was doing wasn't necessarily making him proud. Uh, but at the end of the day, my mom was influencing me to do the things that I love to do. And that's one of the reasons why um, I will love her to death just for the support that she's giving me. And then lastly, just um, my, my sports, my sports influencer throughout my whole life. So even though football is my favorite sport, like I'm a diehard Packers fan, but I've never really had like a football player that I'm like, Oh my God, this is my favorite player of all time. Um, but I grew up watching Kobe Bryant play basketball and he's always been my favorite player um, in his early years. Obviously he was just fun to watch as an athlete, just because all the things that he was doing. Um, but as I got older and he got older later in his career. I was a huge fan of his, um, you know, motivational speaking that he did. Um, a lot of the things that he did with women's sports and even like with his own daughters, just like, you know, think about like that not being something that's really talked about prior to like, I feel like he was like a huge face of that where like most dads are like, Oh my God, I have a daughter. That sucks. Like not like sport, sports aren't sports aren't really a girl's thing or like, you know, it's not as big as men's sports kind of thing, but he took that and was like, you know what? I'm going to have my own Mamba sports Academy and do this with my daughter and just like, you know, really support the WNBA and just be like the best supporter that can be, whether it's a woman or a boy, you know, it was just great to see him really just fill that role as a dad and a coach, which also like, obviously influenced me to be coach myself, you know, helping out, you know, with boys basketball has also been something that's been a blessing, but just all the things that he's done throughout his career, um, his hard work, dedication, that definitely I took with me to the gym and then everything else, as far as being a, a dad, you know, whether coach helping coach uh, as a man, you know, I take that stuff with me in my personal life. So he's just been like a huge, huge part of my life. And one of my favorite quotes um, by him is, you know, the important thing to do is try to inspire people to do, to be whatever they want to be, you know, as great as they can be. And it's something that will always stick with me because it's, it doesn't matter what somebody's trying to do in their life, but the point is, is try to inspire them and help them get to where they want to be. Um, and that's just something that I absolutely like love that he's coming from an athlete, you know, just being so mindful of other people's dreams of the you can be really sucked into a um, like a celebrity role, so to speak. But he was just so in tune with what was going on in the world, um, and really just made a positive influence uh, on that. And that's just something that I'll take with me for the rest of my life for sure. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I hit. Oh my god! The day that Kobe died, I what I almost want to say it was January twenty sixth, twenty twenty. Yep. I'm almost positive that was the day because. I remember that day, like the back of my hand, I just remember, like, I think I was like sitting in my living room and all of a sudden I'm like scrolling through Instagram and, you know, you see like Kobe Bryant dead helicopter crash, all this stuff. And I was just like dumbfounded. And I remember thinking it was like one of those like TMZ, like hoax things where it was like, that can't be real. There's no way. Like this dude's a fucking legend. Like for him to just all of a sudden, like be gone, it was absolutely mind blowing, but it was also a very powerful lesson for, I think a lot of us who, you know, were a big Kobe Bryant fan and realizing like this dude had his shit together and anything can happen. Anything can happen to you at any time. And that was just so hard, but also like so powerful. It's like his last lesson that he taught everyone is like, anything can happen. 
So make the most of every day that you have. I feel like that was like kind of like the legacy that he left behind. So I'm glad you touched on that. Um, and I know you mentioned your dad, um, if you want to share and you do not have to, but if you want to share a little bit about, um, you know, I know that he just passed away, gosh, what a year and a half ago, is that, that... Been July, July 5th of 2019, 2019. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, you know, you mentioned he was definitely an influence in your life. Um, so how has that affected you and just kind of how you've continued to move through the world? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, like I said, it's definitely something you can't prepare yourself for. You know, I remember, I remember being at work, you know, and just kind of reverting back to the Kobe Bryant thing. I was also at work and I found that out. And then I also was on my way to work when I was watching Vanessa give her speech at the oh. funeral. And here I am on the road to work, like sobbing, crying my <laughs> eyes out. I'm like, all right, this is awesome. Um, so I, I see I seem to get a lot of uh, bad texts when they come from my brother Joey because he's the one who told me that Kobe died and he was also the one who let me know uh, what happened with my dad uh, while I was at work and it was just like one of those things where like you knew something was off you know I didn't I don't have my phone on me while I was at work but I have an Apple watch and I just remember like walking and seeing that he texted he was calling me and I, which I thought was kind of odd so I like sprinted to the office and you know he let me know if he asked if I got his text and I said, no, I've been at work. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I guess, guess dad fell at work. Um, and I was like, okay. And then he let me know that he didn't, he didn't make it um, because of a heart attack that he had at work. So it was just very unexpected. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't sick. Um, so it's definitely something that, you know, you can't really prepare for something happening like just on the fly like that. Um, but it's definitely affected me because, you know, for for anybody that's obviously going to listen to this that has had like the not perfect relationship with their father, um, it definitely hit me in that sense because, like I've mentioned before, most of my life was um, not really a father son relationship with them. It was more of a work relationship because that's that's where I got to spend my time with them was when we were at work, um, and that was me making him proud when I was a kid, showing up to work and doing things correctly without him yelling at me. That was like at eight years old. Yeah, right. And all the way up until up until I started, you know, Pop Warner in third grade. And but I mean, the the tough part about that was um, so September of this year. So it was September of sixteenth, two thousand sixteen, is when I moved to Minnesota. And before I moved here. Uh, he told me that I was making the biggest mistake of my life. I'll never forget that. And my mom always tells me that he was just saying that because he didn't want me to leave. And I was, and I just always brushed that off. Like, that's not how you tell your son that you're going to, you want, <laughs> like you admit you're going to miss him. Like, that's just, cause he, he's obviously like just old school, you know, he was born and raised in Mexico. He's not an affectionate person. I was going to say, that's how like, a stoic like, man would tell you they don't want you to yeah, leave. Not how an emotional it, man would. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so obviously I took, I took that with me, you know, moving here and trying to prove to him that it was a mistake. Like I was going to do something that a lot of, not a lot of people think about doing packing up and leaving where they live pretty much their whole life and starting, start, starting somewhere new, um, you know, making a living and just, you know, just doing something with my life. And, you know, it, it actually brought us a lot closer together the time that I moved to Minnesota. Um, Cause he did, you know, see the things that I was doing with my life. And, um, 
you know, unfortunately I never got the chance to bring him here to like for him to see the things that I've done in Minnesota. Um, but we definitely grew a lot closer um, after I moved to Minnesota. When I would go home, I would obviously, you know, make sure I go and visit him because he worked like uh, 45 minutes away from where my mom lives. They weren't even living together. So I had to kind of make two separate trips to like go see him and then go see my mom and then hang out with my friends. Um, so it was a, kind of one of those going home was was more of a like, it was supposed to be work. time away from work, but it was like more like stressful and like took more energy out of me than, but you know, it's worth it. Cause you know, that's one of the lessons that I've learned is I wish I would have done more actually than what I did. Cause it was almost like I would go see my dad for like an hour. Cause it, and it was normally cause he worked, but that's all he ever did. Even up until the day that he died, he was working like seven days a week. And that man was just crazy, and he, but he loved what he did. He was a chef. That's what he wanted to do with his life. Cool. And you know, he, he, he loved it, but um, so even just thinking about the times where like, I would go visit him at work, right? You know, it's not the most best place to see him, but that's where he was all the time. And, you know, he would ask like, hey, you're gonna stick around and we can like hang out after I'm done with work. And obviously me being a kid, you know, I'm just like, oh, I have so much, I go visit mom. I gotta go hang out with my friends tonight, things like that. So I was like, I gotta go. Um, don't so you can don't imagine, ever regret like, that. Don't ever yeah, regret yeah. that. <laughs> kids, um, but... kids are always going to put that stuff first. And I feel like a lot of people like after the loss of a loved one, they'll kind of like sit back and think about the time that they didn't spend with them. And I think that that's one of the worst things you can do. You do not need to do that. Like the time that you spent was probably so special to him in general that it's like, don't ever put that on your shoulders to say, I didn't spend enough time with him you were working for the guy when you were like eight years old. Like, that's huge. That's awesome. Like you got to spend a lot more time with him than probably a lot of kids got to spend with their parents, just even working with him. So don't let that ever like sit on your shoulders because that's a lot to carry. Quick interruption to introduce to you Sather Audio. Sather Audio created my intro music for this podcast and is my producer for this podcast. Andy Bjork is the man behind the scenes and he knows how to do all the things, whether that has to do with a podcast theme, editing, production, mixing in any form. He is your guy. You can find him at Sather Audio on Instagram. That's S-A-T-H-E-R Audio on Instagram. Yeah, it definitely was something I carried with me um, for a while, but it's definitely not something that I think about now obviously I'm more in the mindset of you know you know he's always with me you know it's one of those things where I wish I could still you know talk to him in person and stuff but you just you accept it and you know everything that I do you know I just hope that I'm continuing to make him proud and um and, and I know he is and and it was nice to see that before he died because I know when I would go visit him um, but he definitely was proud of me. I've never seen him in such a good mood sometimes. And I, even my family <laughs> would tell me that like, man, he's always so happy to see you. But when we go, visit him, he's, he's not as chipper. So I was like, so that definitely made me feel like I was his favorite son. Um, but, but it's just, yeah, like one of those things where, you know, it, it sucked because I, there's a lot of what ifs, you know, I, I was getting a lot closer to him and, you know, there wasn't a lot of things that he besides work that he knew because that was what he did most of his life so one of the biggest things that I wish that I was able to do is just kind of break him out of his shell and like 
take them with me to do all these like new things, just like what people did for me. Cause I've always been like a extroverted or introverted extrovert. Like I'm very like independent and you have to like force me to get out of my comfort zone sometimes. Otherwise I'm like a routine person. Like if once I find my, my niche, that's what I'm sticking with. And every now and then you can introduce something to me, but I got to be in the mood for it kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it's um, one one of those things where I just wish I would have been able to like bring them here and just show them like a new city, things like that. But um, definitely affected me as far as what I do, as far as family is super important to me. It was before he died, but it's obviously even more important to me now um, to really just take the time and, you know, and not necessarily just family, even with friends, just because we, we spend so much time, I think, on things that don't even matter. I just felt like it helped my time management skills to where I'm, I'm not spending a lot of time doing things that are just wasteful of my time. Um, we all have been that person that like one of our family members or friends, you know, they'll text us and be like, hey, let's do something. And obviously every now and then we don't want to do that because we just want to be alone and that's completely fine. Um, but so, I've definitely been someone who has abused that more than a couple of times, just because I feel like I just was too lazy, so to speak, just to like do it. You know what I mean? So I just feel like I don't let that part prevent me from not spending time with my family and friends. So, I mean, that's really all I can do moving forward as far as that. Um, but just really valuing the time, um, with the people that are around me that I care about for sure is definitely, um, something that I took with, um, his death. For sure. Wow. And I mean, that's a very valuable lesson too. That's a important lesson. And I mean, how old are you? Do you mind me asking? 30. I'm going to be 31 in March. You're 30? I know. Everybody says that. Like, I what? Look like a- <laughs> oh my God. I always thought you, I literally thought you were at least my age. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, no, you look young for your age. So that's good. That's a good thing. Take that with you. <laughs> I hope, yeah. I hope I look, look 21 and 40. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing for sure. Um, so you mentioned that your dad wasn't very, um, stoked about your move. Why did you want to move to Minnesota? Cause you're originally from Wisconsin. So what made you want to make that jump? So it wasn't necessarily something that I thought long-term about. I'm very, so I'm that person that when in retail, when you want people to impulse buy, I'm your guy. Cause that's all I do is make impulse buys, decisions, things like that. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of what flowed into me moving here, to be honest. So I mentioned before that Ryan, my, my best friend is one of the reasons that I moved here. Well, he was here already. And one of my friends, David, and I came to visit him over the summer. And obviously this was the set, this year two going into where like, I'm working out consistently. I'm addicted to it at this point and I love it. And it was something where I was potentially looking at a career out of it. Right. And that's what Ryan was doing here. He worked for LA fitness as a personal training director. Uh, and so when we came to visit him, um, i pretty much fell in love with Minneapolis, you know, just being out in the summertime, um, spending time at Uptown. It's, it's not something that you get in central Wisconsin. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's one of those things where you're like, what? Like, this is, this is a weekend here. This is like a one, once a, once a year bash, like in central Wisconsin, like, cause obviously there's like 80,000 bars everywhere. 
like in Wisconsin, everybody's so spread out. Um, Uber wasn't a thing or like people drove when they weren't supposed to, but it was, everything was like a drive. So you think as well, like we can drive 15, 20 minutes here in the cities and that's nothing. Right. But in central Wisconsin, that's a long commute. Like if you're going from town to town, so it's different, but you know, so visiting them here, you know, just really falling in love with the city and, you know, just spending time with them here and him kind of planting that, that dream, so to speak in my mind, like, Hey, like, I think I can get you like a job here if you would be interested in moving. And I was like, haha, like, yeah, that's funny. Like, that's something that I think that was actually going to happen kind of thing. And after, after I got home, uh, I think we were there just Thursday through like, and then we ended up coming back either early Monday um, or late Sunday. You know, he let me know that he got me a job interview with his boss. And I was like, what? Okay, that's a really good fucking friend. Holy shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I, and I was like, and he's like, do you think you could like make a drive up here to like interview with him? And then obviously like we can like like hang out again, like we can make it another like city trip kind of thing. But and I was like, all right, like I can do that. And and, and thankfully, like I, the job that I worked for at the time, I was still working with one of my other best friends, Brandon, and he was obviously very understanding. And he. As soon as I told him that I had an interview, he looked at me he's like, I knew as soon as you went to the city that this was going to happen. He's like, he like called it. He's like, I knew you weren't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, you know, I went, I went to the cities and um, interviewed and he offered me a job, you know, on the spot. And I had to drive home three hours thinking if I'm going to pack up my life and move to Minnesota and here I am still. So <laughs> what was the job? Uh, it was, so I was a personal training consultant at LA fitness. Oh, okay. So kind of like, so like I was that person that was, you know, talking to people with about their fitness goals and kind of trying to sell them on personal training. And I was doing that for a little bit. And then I was promoted to the assistant personal training director. Um, and Ryan and I worked at the same club in new Brighton. Um, and then we, kind of going back and forth between Roseville and New Brighton. Um, but it was, it was definitely an eye-opening experience for me. It almost left a bad taste in my mouth for like the fitness industry, just because like sales tactic kind of things. And I'm not some, I'm a motivator. I can't like have somebody sitting across from me and my boss telling them, telling me to tell them that they're pretty much going to die if they don't make a health decision. I'm like, that's, that's not how I talk to people. No. And it, it was, it was like, if I ever get back into the fitness industry, it's definitely going to be my own business kind of thing. Because it was just a, it was just a horrible experience. You know, I worked there for about nine months and I don't even know how I made it that long, to be honest, especially since just moving from Wisconsin, I worked six days a week and my day off was Wednesday and we worked split shifts. So we'd work eight in the morning until one, and then we would have a three hour break and work from four until like eight or nine at night. So I literally couldn't even establish a life. That after the, moving here it is literally the dumbest <laughs> hours i've ever heard like yep. <laughs> no thank you um yeah that's that's hard so the fitness industry is tough and i have a lot of thoughts on it and i'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of it but um i did record an episode with um a friend of mine her name's genevieve and she talked about fat phobia and diet culture and um this was an episode we released just a, about a month ago and it is so eye-opening, like 
the amount of like fat phobic terms that we use, even to like tell people when you're training them to be like, oh, don't worry about the scale because muscle weighs more than fat. Like that's fat phobic, like shit like that. Like I, it's been so eye opening for me um, just to like kind of look at that realm. And don't get me wrong, because I am definitely someone who like I still like, you know, like to dabble in the fitness industry. I would not say that I like am <laughs> immersed in it at all anymore, but. I, uh, it's, it's just a very, it's a, it's like a tough line to walk because you're just not sure, like what is acceptable anymore and what's not like, what can we say? What can't we say? Um, how are we supposed to feel? Are we, should we, should we be feeling this way or no? Like it's, I just feel like it's such an industry that has been so saturated now that it's, it's looks different for everyone. So it's very hard to navigate but kudos to you for still doing that. But do you still work in the fitness industry now then? You mentioned you work for Nike. Yeah, um, the closest thing that that I've done, like obviously I have friends that reach out and will ask me, you know, for some knowledge knowledge pieces because kind of even going off of what you just said, like for people that aren't familiar with the gym, especially the gyms in Minnesota. So you got to think I'm coming from central Wisconsin where our biggest gym was on Anytime Fitness or like a YMCA, which wasn't even that big to walk into like an LA fitness or a lifetime, you know, experience. Gyms are, yeah. Come on, yeah, Frankie. Huge, yeah, they're, <laughs> Shout them out. They're, they're, they're huge gyms. So we're like, I'm like spoiled now, but at the same time, like it can be very intimidating to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, and obviously that's always just been something where I wish that, you know, hope that I look like somebody that's like, can be approached and like if anybody has questions kind of thing. Um, but really, at the end of it, it's just a giant place for people to, that should feel good about themselves. You know, it, it takes the, the, the heaviest weight is the front door. That's what I always that's what I always thought. Just getting there. Right. Pulling that door open. So that's the heaviest weight that. that you're gonna, is you're going to lift. So, you know, just for, you know, everybody just should be really accepting and just be happy that everybody's there. Because A lot of people that have had a fitness journey, just think about the first time that you stepped into a gym. You know what exactly. I mean? And it's, yep. it's intimidating. And, you know, there's other people going through that every single day. Um, and just because you're, you know, you know, whether you're somebody who does bodybuilding or something like that, like doesn't make you better than anybody else in that gym. Like, I don't, I don't care what you look like. Like you're, everybody's there to get some positive energy, get a healthier mind and a mindset. And that's, and that's a huge blessing in its own. And everybody should just be super supportive of that and do everything they can to, Hopefully if somebody is getting what they want out of that, they're letting, giving them a reason to come back, not a reason to go away. So, yeah. and that's what I felt like what was happening when I was working there. There was, I couldn't, I couldn't say what I wanted to say. Cause it was like either I could do that and have no results and get fired. But at the end of the day, we ended up quitting anyway. Cause you know, it just wasn't worth it. Like I'm not going to get paid to say things that I don't believe in. So absolutely. Um, and, that's very huge too. And I, I liked what you mentioned of like, no one is like a bodybuilder is it better than someone who's it's their first day at the gym. Because I look at everyone, like when I go to the gym, I look at everyone there equally because we all showed up today. We all went, like we all got our shit together, said, okay, I'm going to go today. I'm going to do it. And that's not to shit on people who don't go. I'm sitting here and Frankie, you're going to shake your head at me, but I have not been in the gym in three weeks. Like this is, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, you get in those moments where if you're showing up, 
you should just pat on the back, pat yourself on the back for the fact that you even went, even if you're going on a walk every day, like a 10, 15, 20 minute walk with your dog, like you should be patting yourself on the back. And I just hate this like mindset around the gym and this, like, um, I don't know, there's like the bros at the gym who are like, which every gym has them where they're like very intimidating. There can be women who are very intimidating and it's like, it's, it's just important to go and like show up as yourself. And, um, I've heard there's a few friends of mine who have like made the same kind of comment over and over and say, well, I don't want to go just because I feel like I feel too insecure. And it's like, so when are you ever going to get to a point where you feel secure if you're not going? Like, how are you going to get to the point if you feel secure, if you aren't taking that first step? So I think that's another powerful thing too. Um, but I'm just going on a tangent here. <laughs> that's okay. That's a, that's a, that could be its own topic honestly, yeah. by itself is even <laughs> to stuff like that. Cause it's, it's, especially for how much it's changed over the years. Like the gyms aren't the same as they were even six years ago. Like there's, they're completely so night and day different to even when I first started, like and it's, mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not necessarily the best thing. So I'm in a way glad that I started that long ago because it was definitely a more relaxed environment than it is now. Right? And then especially being in like the cities where there's just a lot more people um, to look at. So like you think what you said, like like even you scanning the gym, like that could literally make somebody walk out the door. Like they just see all these overwhelmed for all these people and it makes them insecure and they'll, they'll just leave. And that's, you know, like you said, it's that first step and it sucks that that happens, but, um, you got to take that first step. Yep. Excuse the interruption, but I just had to shout out my girl, Olivia Garner. She is the mastermind behind my logo for the podcast and a lot of my content creation. I found Olivia through another podcast that I listened to and she made the design process so seamless. I was so grateful to be able to work with someone like her throughout this entire thing because again, this is my first time ever doing anything like this and she made it just feel so easy. If you have any graphic design needs of your own, she has her own website, oliviagarnerdesigns.com or you can visit her at oliviagarnerdesigns on Instagram. Frankie, I want to get into the nitty gritty. Um, the reason I want to talk to you and we, we chatted about this before is about your ACL surgery. And so what happened? Have you had issues with your knee? Have you had issues with your ACL in the past or was this very new? So this was very new to me, uh, probably over 10 years ago. So same, same reason playing basketball. Um, I was undercut on a layup and I kind of landed awkwardly on my right knee. So Obviously, I had my my ACL tour was on my left knee, um, but I don't think anything was significantly done. Obviously, I had you know it, it was I was in some pain and I had to ice and couldn't walk for like a couple of days. But as time went on, I I became fine. Obviously, like it it wasn't anything significant because I was able to work out like I was without any issues. Um, but so this is definitely my my biggest significant injury that came out of nowhere. Um, you know, playing basketball has just been something that I've I've loved to do ever since um, graduating high school. Can't really continue to play football as much as I love it. And to be honest, even if I had the option, I probably wouldn't because especially being 30, you know, it's just not worth hurting myself anymore. 
Um, but basketball has just been that alternate like cardio. And then I'm a super competitive person, super competitive. So when I first started playing basketball, I was terrible, absolutely terrible. The men's league YMCA. And I showed up because again, my best friend, Ryan, um, he was, he played basketball in high school. So he invited me to tag along with him and I was playing against all these people that were good. And I wasn't, so it was frustrating for me at first, but <laughs> me being as competitive as I was, I was like, you know what, when I go to the YMCA, I'm going to shoot around. I'm going to work on my dribbling. I'm going to do all these things on my own. So when I continue to keep playing basketball, I'll get better and better and better. So obviously that carried on through the years, even moving to Minnesota, I've been um, lucky enough to have the opportunity to play basketball with um, some guys here in a, in a men's league and, you know, that I actually met through LA fitness. So it just carried on with me um, to continue to play on Sundays and just playing a normal Sunday at the St. Michael middle school and um, went to steal the ball and I got it, but unfortunately I didn't have any landing space um, when I came down and my leg must've been straight or something. Cause I've stepped on somebody's foot millions of times playing basketball and just rolled my ankle. But this time um, it, it wasn't my ankle I ended up, I heard a loud pop, you know, in my knee, you know, it hit the ground. It was pretty, pretty painful. And I knew something was wrong immediately that it wasn't just like a, like a sprain, uh, had to have help, um, to my vehicle. And, and it was also my girlfriend, Morgan's birthday. And I thought I would get this basketball done before celebrating her birthday at her, her mom and stepdad's house. So she was super excited to get that text message from me. <laughs> and Happy she's birthday, like, well, Morgan. Yeah, right? And uh, it obviously asked me, like, hey, should we take you to urgent care? I'm like, no, let's, let's get through this day and we'll oh deal with God. it on Monday. Because I know That's it was on so Sunday. sweet of you. Oh, my God, <laughs> you know? Frankie. But, but it was, yeah, there's picture proof. I was there playing yard games on crutches the day that I tore it. And, and I, I – told everybody that I, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I tore my ACL, but what I didn't know is I also tore both my meniscus um, in the same knee. So that's, that's, what's been making my recovery a lot, a lot more lengthy wow. um, because of that. So I can't, I'm non-weight bearing for the first six to eight weeks, even out of surgery. Um, so next week though, I'm hoping that, that I'm going to be off crutches. So that'll be a big step for me, but yeah. So it's, it was a pretty significant knee injury, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh my God. So what does the recovery journey looked like since your surgery and how, how has this impacted you mentally? So that I'm glad you said mentally, because I feel like physically, like it's, it sucked. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sugarcoat the pain and uncomfortable like feelings that I've had like after surgery, but the mental part of it has been the worst because I went from being somebody who's so independent, doing my own things to not even be able to lift my leg on my own. Couldn't go to the bathroom without like needing help. You know, I can't get up, get up and get a glass of water. I can't, I can't do anything that I used to do. Can't drive, you know, just all of, even just changing my clothes, taking showers, like all that stuff was literally ripped away. My ability was ripped away. So it was literally demoralizing more than anything. And, but it's, it's been a huge blessing though, because, you know, shout out to my girlfriend, Morgan. She has been literally so awesome with making me not like get into that mental state. And she, she could tell that it was just for her dealing with my crabbiness and like me, my just like outbursts. Cause I like, I, I kid you not, like even just like trying to go to the bathroom on my own, like I would literally like scream in the bathroom, like, 
this is bullshit. Like, like, are you kidding me? I can't 100%. even go, like do these things. And like, so she knew like how much, how like difficult it was for me, but she's just been like so great with taking care of the house, you know, taking care of the dog, which that's also been something that's mentally draining is, you know, now I get to spend a good chunk of time with my dog, Kylo. But the thing is I, he sits there and wonders why daddy's not taking him out on a walk or all the things that we used to do, like going to the dog park and things like that. And I can't because, you know, I'm on crutches and it, would, it just would not be good. But, you know, she's just been really good at helping me um, stay like locked into my recovery and just looking forward to the future. And, you know, this is a temporary thing and I'm going to get through it. And, you know, taking me to my physical therapy appointments and making sure that I'm, she's taking me to my basketball practices and tournaments and making sure that I have the opportunity to still have some normalcy with my life. Cause literally even, even to up until like we're talking right now, you know, with not being weight bearing, I'm definitely a lot further along with my recovery, but my lifestyle, like I still, you know, spend most of my day sitting in my apartment, like literally doing nothing. So it's, it's it going Which from being so active seem like you. Yeah. That's just no. seems like the exact opposite of your personality. Yeah. And, you know, I've never been a huge fan of just sitting and watching TV. Like I forced myself to finish watching Game of Thrones and I watched, started watching The Ranch on Netflix and we watched the first episode of Yellowstone. The Ranch is awesome, by the way. I love The Ranch. (laughs) But I'm still not finished with it, but I'm almost done. But it's just one of those things where like, honestly, if I didn't turn my ACL, I wouldn't have done any of these things, I feel like. Because it's just, I was always, TV was always like something that I just, turned on but I never paid attention to like if if I would always just be doing something yep exactly so it's kind of forced me into um trying to find other things and I'm still struggling with that even today like just trying to find more things to like get that feeling that I got from the gym because I do have a studio gym in my apartment but you know I can only do so much you know most of it's my upper body yeah (laughs) and then and then that so it's like all right well I can only do upper body and core um, but I'm getting closer um, to being weight bearing to where I'll hopefully be able to actually go back to the gym, you know, because I'll be able to walk on my own and drive. And so I'm looking forward to that in the next coming weeks. But it's it's been tough mentally. But, you know, like I told you earlier, it's one of those things where I just look at the perspective like it could be a lot worse. You know, I could, I could never be, have the ability to walk again, you know, but I will, you know, as long as I'm yeah. being smart and doing the right things. But um, it doesn't make mean that it's not still going to be tough on me, but it's definitely helping, helping me stay out of that mental state of, you know, where I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is not me or, or what I want to do. And just kind of putting a kibosh on my, on my mood. So, and you know, it's just important to remember it's all temporary and how much time or how much you have left. I feel like the other day you mentioned you have roughly like nine months left of recovery ahead of you. So yep, what does so- that nine months look like? So it's, it's very lengthy. So it's weird because it's like the first, first couple months are like super fast as far as like you go from not being able to walk whatsoever, barely being able to move your leg. And then here I'm almost a week away from hopefully being off crutches where I'm actually able to walk. Um, but it's just a lot. of So once I'm able to walk, it's just a very slow recovery of getting that flexibility and muscle built back in. Um, so like even right now, my huge focus is locking locking out my leg and then bending my knee to 90 degrees, which I'm still not at. Um, and I have 
for the end of next week to get there. Um, so that's always like, I have a goal. I'm pretty close. So last week at physical therapy, I maxed out at 77 degrees, which my physical therapist said, that's exactly where we want you to be. You know, you're, you're on pace, you know, for what we're doing. Um, so that's a good thing. But after that, it's just a lot of slow, like just gaining that flexibility and building that muscle back. And, you know, just knowing that I'm not going to be able to do my hit workouts until like Christmas next year is what's gut wrenching to me. It's Cause it's like, I can, don't, I'll be able to go on the Stairmaster and I'll be able to go on the Stairmaster and do like squats and stuff. But it's like that lateral movement, like, like I won't be able to do that for a long time. So, cause it's the, that's, what's going to take the longest to heal is those, that, that lateral mobility <laughs> for sure. Well, Okay. And I have, I have one final question for you. And I feel like this is maybe not a very easy question to answer since you're someone who's still in the midst of it. So you're like, I would almost like someone to tell me the answer, but (laughs) (laughs) do you have any tips for any athletes or anyone who is active, who has had a physical feat that they've had to overcome? Yeah, absolutely. So even somebody who, before this happened, so just really take care of your body. Um, you only get one and kind of like having a car, you always have to have maintenance done on it. So it's just one thing that I always preach to people is just really take care of your body, whether it's, you know, if you're very active in the gym and anybody that's listening to this, like, you know, like if you're working out five, six days a week and not doing anything for recovery, you're going to end up just like me because that's exactly what happened because I didn't take care of my body. You know, I, I wasn't, staying flexible I wasn't you know stretching as much as I should have been you know I was just kind of thinking I was still 21 years old and can just hop it right in anything and not get sore or be you know ready to go no matter what um, but just doing anything that you can to take care of your body whether it's getting a massage going to the chiropractor stretching doing yoga Pilates anything that is is good for your body um, and then I am just so happy that I was still active in the gym prior to this surgery, to be honest, because the gym has just helped me have such a healthy and positive mindset to where having that in my toolbox already going into surgery, I think was huge. Um, so for somebody who, you know, cause tearing ACL doesn't just happen to athletes. It happens to anybody. You know, it's, you, you could step off a ladder or just take a step wrong and, and it happens. And, you know, if you're not in a, healthy state or mindset you know and then having to deal with that and obviously like dealing with medical bills things like that after that like that can whirlwind into a very negative mindset really fast um but for me it's just been just accepting i'm going to be fine it's going to be okay i'm going to be healthy again eventually um and just staying the course you know and knowing that you know my family and friends are still around me. I have the greatest support system. Um, so just having all that stuff in your life prior to anything like that happening in your life is the best thing that I can do that you could do to kind of prepare for that, whether it's losing a loved one, whether it's getting fired from a job, anything in your life, as long as you have a good support system. Um, and I can't remember which podcast that, that you had, but somebody was talking about literally like the, the roots of a tree, like and that stuck with me because that's exactly what makes me think about with my support system is like, they're all there. They're rooted with me. And if I didn't have those people in my life, like this, 
situation right now could be way worse. Like I, it's not something that's made for somebody to get through by themselves for sure. So absolutely. So your roots are what make you grow. The roots are your people around you. And then you grow into this big, beautiful tree with your branches, your leaves, all these different things. Um, that was Sydney from my like relationships and breakup episode, but yeah, definitely a very fitting, um, metaphor for that. And I mean, you seem to be in fairly good spirits, so I'm glad that you are doing okay. And I know you have a long recovery journey ahead of you, but I think you're going to be just fine. The fact that you have such a great support system, shout out Morgan. That's amazing. That she's just there and helping you along the way. I mean, it would definitely be a different story without her there, but at the same time, you could do it either way and anyone can do it, you know, no matter what, you know, if your support system is someone who's right next to you, or if it's just a call away, that's, it's the same thing in the, you know, in a sense. So that's awesome that you've had that. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to just sit down and have this conversation with me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been, it was an awesome experience and it's definitely something that I will definitely not forget. So I very much appreciate and keep doing. I love listening to your podcast. You do such a good job and I can't wait to, to keep listening who else you bring on here for sure. So. everyone. Well, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you were able to relate or take anything away from this, please feel free to share this with a family member, a loved one, a friend, um, anyone you know who has maybe gone through something similar to this. And also, if you would like to give us a rating and or a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be amazing. It really does help the algorithm and help this podcast to grow more and more, which is the goal. Um, and next week, I am going to be doing my second solo episode. I'm probably going to put out a little poll and just kind of give the space for you guys to ask any questions you want to ask. And um, that's probably going to be how next week's episode is going to look. So I'm excited for that. That'll be um, fun. It's always, I've, I've been a little scared to go back and do another solo episode because sometimes it's just hard to sit there and talk into a microphone by yourself for 30 to 40 minutes to an hour. Um, but then sometimes you just get into it and that hour will fly by. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but I am excited for that. And again, you can find Frankie on Instagram. Um, that's underscore Frankie Andrew. So definitely make sure to check out his page, give him a follow, go show him all the love. And, um, you know, I'm sure if you have any questions about any recovery tips or, you know, even just like health and fitness, he, his page is such a fun and positive page to follow. So, um, highly recommend checking him out over there. And that's all I've got for you guys today. Um, Thank you so much for coming back and we will see you next Wednesday.